All right, so before we get started, would you both mind introducing yourselves by name and title for our listeners out there? I am Max Brallier. I'm the creator of the last Kids on Earth series. I write the book series and uh, one of the writers and uh, the one of the executive producers on the last Kids on Earth animated series on Netflix. Uh, and this is Scott Peterson. I'm the showrunner and executive producer of the last Kids on Earth television series. Fantastic. Thank you. Now, this is the second time that I've had a chance to talk with you both, but the last time we talked, it was before season one had even launched. So how has the response been since, you know, since last fall, about six months or so? Well, we don't get numbers from Netflix. They're very, keep those very close to the chest. But what we understand is that it's done really, really well, that it's exceeded their expectations in terms of uh, how many people have been watching it. And that's just for the first 66 minute special that was based on book one. Um, but anecdotally, we've heard lots of people love it, you know, uh, kids watching it over and over again. So uh, we're really pleased. And I've, I've had, um, I've been extremely pleased. I've been um, just doing doing school visits and things like that since the series has launched, um, that fans of the books have really been fans of the show and have had really wonderful, great, enthusiastic, happy things to say, which was my um, the thing that I was most that that I, that I most hoped would, would come true. Yeah, and anecdotally for me as well, from our coverage of the show, I know that fans have been asking for season two since like the moment that season one dropped. You know, it's sort of like it's a great thing to have, but you're sort of, you have to kind of play that card. Like, okay, please enjoy season one first. We'll cross season two when we get to it. So. How are you guys both feeling now that season two is actually here for fans out there to enjoy? I feel great. I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm, sorry, sorry, Scott. I, I, I feel great. I'm, I'm really happy that it's, uh, that, yeah, that it's actually it's finally here. The fans can enjoy it. Um, I'm excited, excited for fans of the book series to, to see uh, what's different, what's what's changed, and what 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 sort of um, Easter eggs we have in there for them. And um, I just Atomic Cartoons, everybody there has done a wonderful job creating this this new season, and and really Scott in, in leading the show. It's yeah, it's it's a phenomenal season, and and whereas the special really kind of sets up the world and the characters, this is where we get to just go crazy and really expand on all that and bring in a whole new host of characters and really send the kids on much bigger adventures, um, all based on Max's books, but it, it really gives us a, an opportunity to go much, much bigger, which I think the kids are going to really love. And that's a great lead-in for my next question for you as well. So where does season two kind of line up with the timeline of the books, and where does it maybe deviate from, you know, specific beat-by-beat adaptations? Is, is it mostly zombie parade, or is there a little bit of extra thrown in? It's mostly zombie parade, but with taking advantage of our ability to tell the story now, um, not just from Jack's point of view, but to see what other characters are doing, um, new adventures, sort of th- things that um, add, adding, changing, adjusting, um, and really just sort of taking the best parts of Zombie Parade and really kind of trying to make those as big and amazing as possible, and then also trying um, to find places to create new adventures that will um, excite and um, it makes, it, it's not a straight adaptation where you'll feel like, oh, if I read the book, I just thought I already, I already know exactly what's going to happen. Like, there are some big moments that play out differently and, and play out, I think, um, just really, really in, in wonderful visual ways. One good example of that is um, there's an episode called June Gloom mm-hmm. where um, Jack takes June back to her childhood home thinking this is going to be a wonderful treat for her and not realizing it, there may be a lot of other emotions involved. And that's something that wasn't really in the book, but we felt like we really want to expand on what June's going through because that's something we have the time for. And again, that we didn't get a chance to do 
in the books, and it's turned out to be one of my favorite episodes because we really get to into the emotions of the kids beyond the excitement of battling monsters and zombies. Definitely. Written and by the marvelous Haley Mancini. Yes. Fantastic. And yeah, I love the sort of maturity that comes with this season, too, with the kids. And so that, again, leads me to my next question. How do you think that Jack and the kids have grown, if at all, between the end of season one, where we saw them, and season two, where things pick up? Two inches taller. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for, for Jack in the, in the opening uh, book and the opening special, he was just learning to form a family, and now he's got to learn what it's like to actually have a family and what it's like to live with other people and what it's like to fear losing people or uh, there's a lot that comes that he's never experienced before. So I think for him particularly, this is a big uh, season of learning about how to deal with other people that you care about. Yeah, and, and how, to, um, how, to, how to sort of be a hero and, and, and be a leader, but at the same time um, not just try to, try to keep everybody safe all the time, how to let people sort of be their own people. And be their own monsters. Yeah, and I found that interesting too. That it's Jack's Jack and the team have a lot of big problems, but a lot of them are personal. It's the the kind that you can't just kind of you know take the battle to directly. A lot of them are kind of internal or from past hurts or even some you know psychological scarring. So, what can you say specifically talking about Jack now? How have you seen him kind of grow uh, since the beginning? And what can viewers expect to see from him as he as he grows as a person, kind of over the uh, course of season two? Uh, I, I, I think, I think a little bit too what Scott was saying just to, about going from really wanting a family to now, um, and wanting a, a family and also a community and that sense of, um, uh, the camaraderie and, and now having that. But, but with that comes this incredible fear of, of, of losing that. Um, and I think that's something that's, you know, it's sort of about, I remember kind of finding my people, finding your clique and in elementary school, middle school, just finding a group of friends. And then there's suddenly, once you do that, there is like that sense of, oh boy, what if this goes away? What if something happens? Um, and that's sort of what's happening here, but on like a, on a, a monstrous, um, ginormous stage um, full of action adventure. And so we see him sort of come to terms with that and, 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 and learn how to live with that, deal with that. And, and then also at the same time, we're setting up um, sort of the larger hero's journey where it's not just about um, the, the, the friendship stuff and the personal stuff, but how he learns to lead um, as the world continues to grow. Sort of the, this, this world continues to grow and the threat becomes not just a threat to his hometown, but um, it's an interdimensional threat um, from beyond that, that, that's huge and how, how, how he will lead in that world. I think what's fun is that sometimes we'll, we can take something that's relatable, like losing your friends, but in real life, you'd be worried about losing your friends to another group of friends, or maybe they move away. And in this world, Jack's worried he's going to lose his friends because they might be eaten. Um, and so it really amps up what's a normal feeling to a huge degree. And he's, you know, one of his big arcs for this season is he's worried, uh, he gets so worried about them that he becomes overprotective. Right. And so he doesn't want them to leave the house. He doesn't want them to take any risks. And he becomes kind of a jerk. And it's out of how much he loves them and cares for them, but he becomes so overbearing that he has to find a way to let them be their own hero. You know, it's interesting talking about Jack because I don't know how you see them, you know, Scott, either as, as adapting these stories or Max obviously having uh, created them and, and written them with Jack as your protagonist, but he's not, he's definitely not your kind of 
traditional expected hero. He struggles a lot with the choices that he makes and learning from his mistakes kind of over and over again. So I'm kind of just curious about your perspective. How do you see Jack as he's growing? I think he's, he's, he's flawed. He's not, he's not, he's certainly not perfect. And, uh, it, it's been a fun and exciting and sort of the unexpected thing about writing this series and, um, and the, really the book series is we're looking at right then I'm looking at it as, is a larger growth for him over, over seven books right now. Right. Um, that there continue to be things that sort of surprise me about the character. It's not something I usually say. I feel like, you know, I'm the one writing the character. Like, you know, it's not like my character is surprising. I don't, I don't often feel like that, but there are moments where I sort of, to like, oh wait, like, you know, this is, um, this is really going to challenge his view of things or, um, his, 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 his view of, of, of other people or of, of monsters or of, of how to be a leader and how to, how to have friends and all these things. Um, and I think for me, the sort of biggest, the, the, the challenge and the fun of it is how to make Jack be somebody who, um, who fails and who fails on a personal level too and who fails his friends at times. Um, or and is sarcastic and handles things with humor and, um, and and sarcasm without him ever becoming you know unlikable or anything like that. Um, it, it's a balance between you know I don't want him to be perfect and and I don't want him to be somebody who you don't like. It's a, this sort of mixture um, of, of of seeing his flaws and loving him for the flaws. That's how I try to make it work. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot more interesting to follow someone that you can relate to knowing that sometimes they win and sometimes they fail right. as opposed to, you know, reading Superman comics as a child, <laughs> he's always going to win. So there's not, he's barely, he's almost invulnerable. So there's not a lot of stakes there, but if you have a kid who's like our readers or like our viewers that doesn't always know what they're doing and is, has to make the best with what they've got, that's much more compelling. Definitely. And then looking outside of the kind of the core cast of characters that we have, you guys get to expand the cast quite a bit in season two. And we've got heavy hitters like Keith David, Mark Hamill, Catherine O'Hara, Rosario Dawson. They get to join in on the fun this season. So what can you tease about the, the new actors that you've brought in and their roles in season two? And don't forget Bruce Campbell. Oh, of course. How could I? We, we worked hard to get him on the show. Yeah, and he's got a great part, too. It's uh, so much fun. Unfortunately, we can't talk about their roles yet. We've been forbidden from the powers that be. <laughs> um, so even though you know, because you've watched the episodes, right. we can't tell people just yet. Um, I will say that they all do amazing jobs. That they, uh, they bring characters to life in an incredible way. And they were phenomenal to work with. I mean, we were basically sitting there with our mouths open as we're looking 10 feet away at Mark Hamill in the, in the recording booth. And he's telling us stories about star Wars unprompted. We weren't like digging. We were trying to be professional, <laughs> but he started telling us things and we're just like, we're eating it up like 12 year olds. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure he knew what you wanted to hear anyway. He's like, you guys want to know these stories. You're just being polite, not asking. So I'll give you one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was, it was great. And, and the same thing with, with Bruce. That, oh, I'm sure. uh, we're, we're all huge fans of Evil Dead, and to be in a room with him and have him talking to us like we were real humans was amazing. <laughs> yeah, we told him. Now I know you guys you can't you can't get into uh, specifics about any of these characters, so so no spoilers until the folks out there have a chance to check this out. But maybe you can talk a little bit about adapting uh, the characters from the stories for the animated version. So were there any significant changes? 
Were there any, you know, what were your discussions like in, in bringing these characters to life in a way that fits with the art style and the aesthetics of the animated series? Um, yeah, we couldn't always do exactly what was in the book. Doug Holgate did an amazing job bringing these characters to life visually for the first time. But sometimes we, you can't do that level of detail in an animated series. Um, and sometimes we wanted to do something a little bit different. So a lot of the kind of the background character monsters, um, we came up with our own and created new characters for that. But for some of the iconic ones, like um, there's a character called Bartle, and there's a character, uh, Skelka, um, and uh, Thrall. Thrall. Um, yeah. We 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 did try to emulate what Doug had done in the books, but um, again, bring them bring them into our world, and then we get a chance to expand their characters. Uh, particularly Skelka, we really liked. Uh, she has a smaller role in the books to begin with, but we found her so much fun that we really expanded her role and put her in a lot more episodes, gave her more to do because she was so fun. Yeah, and then for, for like for Bartle, who's become sort of a mentor to Jack in, in the books, um, we had a lot of fun. There was time to sort of um, make him a much more, the more humor and really bring out the humor in him and find um, ways to sort of take his sort of uh, demeanor and, and play that for, for comedy when appropriate. That was a lot of fun. And then you mentioned getting the chance to sort of create some of your own background characters and, and play up on certain characters from the book. So I'm wondering... Is there anywhere that I can get a copy of the Last Kids on Earth bestiary? Is that something that's going to be available for people? Out there? Or do I have to make my own, like Quint? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, so, the, uh, let's see. So, the ones from the book, um, is, is we have like a, um, a Jack, Jack, Jack with mispronouncement called the, the, the bestiary bestiary. It's called Beast. Um, he, uh, so in the last season or survival guide that I wrote, we have like a sort of uh, partial version that has a bunch of the monsters from the books and shows off uh, sort of like details, um, like those little, like, I used to pack the old Marvel cards that would have like their stats and data on the yeah, back. Yeah. And I love those. And, um, so it does some of that stuff in, in, in the BC area in the book. Um, we need to create a full one for the series monsters. I think so. That's a good point, Scott. Let's do that after we hang out. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I mean, if I was a kid, I would absolutely want that. Um, but yeah, one for the show that, cause it does differ from the books, especially when, yeah, when we get into all the ancillary monsters or like we created a, a new character chef for the series because right. we wanted someone to kind of, uh, battle back and forth with Dirk. We wanted a, a monster that isn't really thrilled to be around these humans and to see what, how that played out. And so we created this character that's really kind of like, uh, prejudiced against humans to see how that played out. And that was really fun. So. Yeah, he, um, he, yeah, he, he makes the human smell. <laughs> yeah. Which is not wrong. Well, and we do. Yeah. We do. <laughs> well, look, as a grown-up kid myself, I would be happy with the Quint Essential Bestiary Guide to Last Kids on Earth. So feel free to run with that if you'd like to. Uh, I'd be happy to pick that up. Pulling, pulling back from the fictional apocalypse for a bit, I think it'd be remiss if I didn't mention that we're currently living in some sort of weird, uncertain, and unpredictable time. So... What is it like for the two of you to be writing a show about an apocalypse while also having to balance living through sort of one? What has that been like for you guys? Uh, I haven't checked the news recently. What is it you're referring to? Yeah, really. <laughs> not, not a news junkie. <laughs> He's unaware. Um, I think it, it, what's interesting is, is um, Max 
is in New York and I'm in LA and we've both kind of been working from home for a long time. Um, but like all the animators and all the production crew up in Canada have just been sent home the last few weeks. So they're now all working from home. Um, and so it's, it's a really a challenge to try and keep in touch with everybody and maintain those personal connections. Um, even when everybody's separate. Um, but in terms of like storytelling, we're not, we're not writing any episodes right now that would then change because of our personal experiences. It's just kind of a, a unique time to be in. Um, I think one thing that we've always wanted the series to, to talk about is making the best of a bad situation. That Jack's goal is not just to, um, live through the apocalypse. It's to thrive in it and to have fun in it. He sometimes calls it the fun apocalypse. Um, and so if, if we can send any message out right now, it's to not just endure what we're going through, but to try and make the best and do the best with what you have and try and keep a positive attitude the way Jack would. Um, that's, that's a message that we were sending out before this current. Uh, situation, and I think that'll be the message after this is popped. Yeah, the message. I don't think the message changes. It's a you know, in the end, it's um, it's a show that, that despite the setting, it's about fun and friendship and hope and positivity um, and like adventure and and, and the exciting um, you know sort of the, the pulse. Like just say that just the excitement of um, of adventure and, and and friendship and doing that together. Um, so that doesn't change, but I, it feels sort of almost like extra applicable right now and um you know i i also like it, it's also about escapism and i think um sometimes i don't know the that's an important thing that's always an important thing i think um especially for kids that you need to sort of get away for a little bit um and forget about a bad day at school or whatever it is and here um i think you know we may need that more than ever so I hope that maybe it allows people to escape a little bit for a couple hours. Yeah, it's definitely coming at a at a good time. I think the kids out there uh, and adults like me are going to have fun with it. But also, interestingly, there are some subtle kind of things that are brought up throughout this season between some of the characters. The characters open up a little bit more. They talk about their past a little bit more. Some of them get to sort of revisit that past through memories or, or flashbacks. But are you hoping that maybe this opens up a dialogue for kids who don't quite know how to talk about sort of like maybe bad feelings or bad memories or things like that, because you do delve into that this season with our characters. I don't think we ever had an agenda about getting kids to open up. Um, but if they can see themselves in these characters and see that, you know, it helps people to grow closer together by being open with each other, that's, that's a fantastic byproduct. We always wanted these characters to feel realistic and not, you know, like 2D cartoon characters. Right. So yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I think there's something about um, you know the the sort of the end of the world setting and and the things that happen to them that, that causes them to to open up in a way that you know it's almost like the Breakfast Club and you know where they sort of are all stuck there together and for the first time they see each other as real people um, in the Breakfast Club and here it's like it causes you know June to talk about things to Jack that she never would have and I think that's a nice. If that's like a lesson you can learn earlier on in life, that's good. I think that sort of the younger you could that you are able to understand, it took me a long time, but it's okay to tell people how you feel, um, the better. So if people get a little bit of that from this at an earlier age, I think that would be wonderful. 
to give our viewers out there maybe a heads up of something to keep an eye out for or something to look for, and maybe you can talk about it, maybe not, because it might be too spoilery, but do you have a favorite newcomer character this season, or do you have maybe a favorite episode that stands out uh, to you during production that you just want to highlight? I, I was going to say, I think you both were going to say, I, I mentioned June Gloom, I mentioned June Gloom, I said that was one of my favorite episodes this season, right. um, just because for how the way it balances, um, it, I think it achieves like sort of with the sh- with the show and what the series is when it's when it's very best, which is balancing um, humor with adventure with um, with with real emotion and, and action. Uh, and so that that maybe that's probably my my favorite um, my favorite episode of the season. And then um, there's a character uh, I don't want to get in trouble. Sure. I don't know if I can, there's one there's, <laughs> there's a character that we created though for the for the show that I love so much that the character was then pulled into the book. Um, oh, cool! And so that that character I particularly love. Nice. And Scott, any any uh, for you that you can talk about? I was I was going to say the same episode, yeah, but now I episode. can't do that. Um, uh, I think. I mean, I'm also a sucker for the big ending. So the the last episode is called Dawn of Rezak, and uh, it's we really have some amazing animators that can take things that we think up and bring them to amazing life. It's watching, you know, huge, huge monster battles and big finale action sequences. They really kick some serious butt. So I I get caught up in those every time. It was spectacular. And I remember talking with you guys about uh, season one as well. And one of the highlights was that big battle at the end of season one. And this, you know, takes it up to quite quite a a different level uh, on a number of uh, ways. So, yeah, definitely something to look forward to out there. Uh, I can't wait for people out there to check out season two. And as a side note, as someone who grew up eating at Joe's Pizza once a week in my hometown, this season, uh, that moment, particularly enjoyable uh, for me. So thank you for including my hometown pizza shop. <laughs> Love that. I did that for you. Thank you I, so I much. I knew that you went there. I exactly. Did that. That's how we did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I really do appreciate that. Uh, but I appreciate your guys' time today. Thank you so much for sharing your time. Best of luck with the rollout of season two. And thanks again. Thanks Thank so you much. so much. And, uh, be safe, be healthy, all that stuff. Same to you.